Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. In society today, we are uh, faced with a dazzling um, array of choices. There is a superabundance of choices. I read that the average U.S. supermarket, that there are over 48,000 different items to choose from. By one account, there are 28,000 drink options available to you at Starbucks. And choice is a great thing. Having choices is oftentimes the blessings, but in some ways, it does not make the decisions any easier. So does it matter? Is life just random, or is there some purpose to life? Over the past few weeks, I had been watching uh, The Sopranos, a TV show that I did not watch at its first go-around, and um, have um, really enjoyed the, the stories and the acting um, but also some of the theological um, discussions and thoughts that go into it. One of the early seasons, AJ, who is Tony Soprano, the crime boss's son, um, is facing his confirmation in the church. And underlying that whole episode is AJ's desperate question about what does life, what is life all about? He goes to everyone who can think of. He goes to the man who's going to be his godfather. He goes and asks his mother. He goes and he asks his grandmother. He just wants to know why are we here? And if we're not certain about it, AJ did not see why someone should be confirmed in the faith if they weren't sure what the purpose of life was all about. One thing I read summed up AJ's concerns and his, uh, some of his thoughts. person said that life has no meaning. Stories are unheard. Dreams. Huh. Voices are lost in the cloud, we're born, we die, it is the end of the list. For many people, that is how they see life, that there is just something that we slog through on a day-to-day -day basis, but really there is nothing overarching that is guiding us somewhere. But life is a gift, it is an amazing gift, and it has been said that the two greatest days in your life are the day that you are born and the day that you find out why. Scripture lays out to us that there is a God who loves us and that our life does have a purpose, that we are not here by accident. Paul, writing in Ephesians 2, says this, for you are God's masterpiece. The Greek word there for masterpiece is poema, for which we get the word poem or work of art. Think about that for a moment, that you are a masterpiece, a piece of art that God has created, that God designed you with a purpose in mind. Many people feel that they are useless, they're worthless, they're frustrated, and they say, I'm not good at anything. But your life has a huge significance because God loves you and you are of infinite value to him. Jesus died for you and he has a specific, unique, glorious destiny for you. Don't waste your life. Your life can make a difference. God has good things. That's what St. Paul says. He has good things for you to do. Sometimes people worry about this, like the plan or purpose 
isn't that just something for people who are super religious? Isn't that just for like priests and nuns or missionaries? No, that God's purpose is for everyone, that God has a calling for you in your life. Does that mean that it is all predetermined and that there's just some sort of blueprint? Does it mean that you can miss God's plan if you do the wrong choice or maybe you've missed out on altogether? I don't think that's the case. I've made many mistakes in my life. Sometimes I've deliberately ignored the instructions or the urgings that I think God is directing me to. And other times I've just gotten it plain wrong. Guidance is difficult. I've made mistakes. I thought God was guiding me in this direction, but really I was supposed to be going this way. But God's purpose for us is bigger than the mistakes that we make. Nelson Mandela put it this way. He says, don't judge me by my successes. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. It is never too late. There was a story, um, someone asked a woman who was celebrating her 104th birthday, what is the best thing about being 104? And she says, I don't have peer pressure anymore. It's never too late. Wherever you are, if you are alive, God has a purpose for you and you can find it. I kind of think about this purpose a little bit like the GPS navigational systems, which are now embedded in our phones and many times in our cars. And what's amazing about a GPS is that even when you go wrong, the GPS does not give up on you. It reroutes you, and it will continue to reroute you over and over again. You go the wrong way, and it says, turn around. Whenever possible, do a U-turn. And what's amazing is it's completely patient. Sometimes I think I know better than the GPS, and I decide just to ignore it because I have a better route. And it just keeps rerouting. It doesn't say, look, you ignored my instructions so many times. I've had it. I'm going to stop giving you directions. Now, that's what I would do. Fine, you haven't listened to my advice. I'm not giving you any more. But that does not what GPS does. It is infinitely patient. Now, obviously, you can turn the GPS off. And you can ignore it. But what I have found is if you follow it, generally you'll have a more enjoyable journey and you will get to a point where it says you have reached your destination. Of course, this is the analogy breaks down because we're not dealing with a machine. We're dealing with a God who loves us. This is what a relationship with God is all about, to allow God to guide us, that God, figuring out God's purpose for us, the plan that he has, and God is infinitely patient with us. What God says is, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go, and I will counsel and watch over you. I will counsel and watch over you. So how in practice do we hear God's voice? How does God guides, guide us? God guides us in many different ways, but what I have found is that there's five C's that are sort of a good way of remembering the various ways in which God guides us. Sometimes only one of those is needed to make a decision, but other times the decision is so huge, we need to use all five. So the first one is commanding scripture. The psalmist says, your word is like a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the main way that I have found over the years um, that I have connected with what God wants me to do is through the reading of scripture and something really captures and convicts me. 
And as we read this book on a daily basis, and I encourage you, as I said last week, to continue to read it, that God speaks of his love for us, his kindness, his mercy, his grace, and how important we are. And hearing that message over and over and over again is so critical to understanding God's purpose for us. It tells us what his primary calling for us is, and his primary concern is not about what you do. It is not about who you marry or even if you get married. The primary calling on your life is relationship with God, and that is what gives you ultimate meaning and purpose, a love relationship with God. And then there is a love relationship with people. It's what we're called to do. We heard... um, It's what we're called to do. We're called to love our family, to love our friends, and to love our neighbors. Many different ways in which we can do that, but as you read, you will see different things that you can do. Little acts of kindness, I have found, make a huge difference in another person's life, even just simply smiling at somebody. Everyone out there is struggling, and you can make such a difference. For example, you can use some of your money to give generously to another person to make a difference in that person's life. There are so many ways to love others. And then there's God's purpose for you, that you should be like Jesus, that you should be transformed into Jesus' likeness. What's so important to realize, what matters is not what you do, but who you are. It's not what you do, but it's who you are. And God wants us to be like Christ. He wants us to be a people of integrity. And in God's book, you will see the kind of things that you need to do in order to be a person of integrity. There are certain things that you don't need to necessarily pray about in terms of guidance. But there are certain things that you do need to turn to and ask God, what is it that I'm called to do? God has good things for us. Paul says it like this that he has good things for you to do, or as one translation says it, God has good work for you. Now we know that we are not saved by our works, that we are saved by grace, but Paul says that this saving by grace is for us to do good works, that God's purpose for life, God's purpose for us is these good works. So how do you find out what that is? Well, the second thing we can turn to is a compelling spirit. To be a Christian is to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and lives within us, and we begin to hear the voice of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in our own life. But it takes time in order for us to hear and recognize the voice of the Spirit speaking to us. It's a little bit like when somebody calls or texts me. I don't know if this has ever happened to you And um, if it's not saved in my phone, I don't recognize it immediately. And someone's like, hey, it's John. And I'm trying to figure out which John it is because um, there are, you know, many of them. And so I begin to ask some questions like, uh, so what's been going on in your life? Or um, tell me about your fam. what's going on with your family. You, you, You begin to drop clues so you can hope you can figure it out so you don't have to embarrass yourself by saying, Yeah, I need you to tell me which John this is. But there's times in which the voice is so clear to us, um, much like when Kristen calls me and I immediately recognize that it's her voice. I don't have to say, Kristen, is that you? 
because I know it so well. And that's sort of like what the Holy Spirit begins working in us. Once you start becoming attuned to it, it is clear um, to what uh, the Spirit is saying to you. Um, as you pray, as you read Holy Scripture, as you listen to the Holy Spirit, most of the ideas that I have come to in the last 10 years of doing ministry have come through listening to others, through praying, and through reading Scripture. Suddenly something comes into my mind and it says, you know, call or text this person, drop a note to this person, send an email to this person. Somebody is placed in my heart and I follow up and say, how are you doing? And many times it's amazing that person has a need and they're glad that I've reached out to him. God guides us by the Spirit, by giving us a strong desire to do things. Paul says it like this in his letter to the Philippians, that God works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He gives you the desire. This is part of what grace is, is this desire to do the good things that God has placed in our lives. If you had asked people um, that I was friends with in college or my fraternity brothers um, and said, what do you think Everett is going to do when he grows up? Nobody, absolutely nobody would say, I think Everett's going to be a priest. In fact, several years ago, I was over at Lenny's Sub Shop, and I was sitting in there and, um, with one of my, my best friends from high school and from college, and, and, and my friend's ex-girlfriend just walks in and sees us sitting there, and I'm wearing my collar. She goes, what's that for? And I said, uh, I'm a priest, and she laughed. She goes, no, really, why are you wearing the collar? And I'm like, no, really, I'm a priest. But there was something in a moment in which I encountered Jesus that Jesus said clearly to me, this is what I want you to do and there is nothing else in your life that you can do. And I bent my will to what God wanted for me. Sometimes God just gives us an impression. We pray for people and sometimes as you're praying, something comes to mind. Maybe it's mundane, but sometimes that's how the spirit often works in us. Is it's not in the big things, it's in the really small things. I was visiting recently with Dr. Turner, who is the pastor at the historic Vernon AME Church. He's just doing some amazing, amazing things in North Tulsa. And he was sharing with me about a, a word of the Lord that came to him as he was praying one time. He heard clearly God say, feed my people. And Dr. Turner at first thought maybe this was a call to start up a Bible study to feed people with God's word. And um, he kept on hearing feed my people and, and 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 dr turner realized that god was speaking in a very real way to feed people and since march they have fed over fifty thousand meals to people by just listening to that urging of feed my people when we listen to god it's amazing what happens remember father, father justin's comment a few weeks ago when i pray i notice more coincidences than when i don't so then there is the council of the saints. Now, saints not in the sort of special way of the very special people, but saints sort of in the sense um, that we are just ordinary Christians. That council of the saints just means going to the people who are Christians and asking them, what do you think? We'll have a whole session on what this looks like in terms of the church, but this is about getting advice. We're not alone in this, that God has placed you in a community and God has placed friends in your life who can give you advice and thoughts who know you sometimes better than you know yourself or at least the things that we want to believe about ourselves 
And the Holy Spirit does not just speak to me. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks through another person, and we need to listen when those words come. The writer of Proverbs put it this way, the wise person listens to advice. And elsewhere in Proverbs it says, make plans by listening and seeking advice. I am so grateful to have the advice of my family, my friends, my parents, even my children. Sometimes they might put a reminder, Dad, go and put down your phone, and I realize that I am consumed by that rather than what is right in front of me. Ultimately, of course, we're responsible for our own decisions. We can't simply say, well, you know, that person made me do it. But it's such a blessing to not be able to be alone, to be able to talk to another person about the decisions that we wrestle with. How do we know that the prompting of the Spirit or the advice of a friend is coming from God and not just simply the devil or some bad food that we ate speaking to us? Well, there's various tests, and this is what we are encouraged in the New Testament to do, to test the spirits to see if they are from God. So one test is, is this in line with the Bible? Does this have a line with the story of God's love that is given to us? Is the action loving? If it is not loving, then it is not likely from God. If you felt or a word came to you from someone else that you should go harm and, harm and hurt somebody, you can be assured that it is not God's word because God would not tell us to hurt others. Another test is to ask When you make the decision, do you have peace with the decision? Do you have peace with the decision? And then there is common sense. This is number four, common sense. God's promise of guidance does not get us out of the requirement to think. Paul said this to Timothy. Paul said to Timothy, reflect on what I am saying For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight. He says, in other words, use your mind, and as you are thinking, God will guide you. And I find that that's one of the main ways that God has guided me over the years. He presents reasons in the mind for acting in a particular way. I don't think it's very helpful oftentimes when I hear people say, well, God told me to do this. What God may have done is said, here are the reasons why you might do this. I find it more helpful to talk about the reasons rather than the action. God has given you gifts, talents, abilities, qualities. God has given you character and strength. He's given you experiences of life, and he doesn't want any of those to be wasted. He wants your talents to be used so that you aren't frustrated but you're fulfilled in what you do. So then number five is circumstantial signs. God is sovereign. He rules and reigns in this universe, and he can work things out. Paul says it like this, that we know, this is like from his experience, he says, I know this. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and for have been in accord with his purpose. In everything in your life, God is working for the good. That's, um, even in some of the bad stuff that's been done to you, God can work for it for the good. But also the bad stuff I've done, the mistakes that I have made in the past, even the bad stuff that I have done that is wrong, Paul says, even God can use that for good. He can use everything, all the situations we find ourselves in. 
the struggles, the circumstances, God is working in all of them for the good. God is guiding. Sometimes we can't see why he's doing it and we just have to trust. And I encourage you, what this verse tells us is don't look back with regret. Don't look back with worry. Look up, trust God, that God is active in your life. If you walk in this relationship with God through looking to scripture, compelling spirit, counsel of the saints, common sense, circumstantial signs, your life will make a difference and you will find in fact that you have a far bigger impact than you will ever realize in this life. I want to share a story in closing. Sir Nicholas Winton is now over 105 years of age. In December 1938, he was a young stockbroker on holiday in Prague when he saw the Nazi occupation and he realized that Jewish families were in jeopardy. In the space of three weeks, thousands of distraught parents were interviewed in that space of nine months. He arranged for 664 children who would otherwise have been killed in the Holocaust to be transported to the United Kingdom. He, man <coughs> excuse me. he managed to persuade the British government to allow them into Britain. He found families for them to be fostered in. He forged permits that got them over the border, out of Czechoslovakia, and placed them in families and saved them. When the war broke out, he became a fighter pilot. And he forgot about what he had done. He didn't even tell his wife about it. Well, 50 years later, in 1988, his wife was in the attic and she came across a suitcase. She opened it and inside were these pictures and letters relating to each of the children. And Esther, his wife, heard about it. Excuse me. And, 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 and a um, media person heard about it and tracked down some of the children and invited them to the studio without telling Sir Nicholas Winton. He was invited to the studio, totally unaware for the reason of his attendance, and he was placed near a woman named Vera Gissing, who was one of the children. Until that moment, she and the other children had no idea who it was that had saved them and rescued them, and this is what happened. I'm going to watch a short video. All the letters. But back here is the list of all the children... This is Vera Diamant, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. Hello. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful, so terribly, terribly touching. in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton. If so, could you stand up, please? I love that moment where he stands and he turns around and he sees the impact of his life that he never realized. And he simply uses God-given talents. And as you use your God-given talents and you follow his guidance through your life, 
in relationship with God, one day God will say to you, stand up, turn around, and you will be amazed at the impact that you have had. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.